Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. As we kick off hour number three of the show, got a text on the Sam and Ash text line from my guy, Gangster Raider. He said, this is Gangster Raider. The Arizona Cardinals are the team people are sleeping on, but they're also Chandler Jones' former team, and he should be motivated to get five sacks against them. And it's funny that he mentioned five sacks because Chandler Jones has gotten five sacks before against a team that the Raiders will be playing this year. And as we will get an update on that team, the Tennessee Titans will do it as we jump into training camp two-a-days. It's time for another edition of Training Camp Two-A-Days. As your boy Q takes a look at every team on the Raiders' 2022 regular season schedule here on Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. And the third team on the schedule, as the Raiders are on a road trip, they have to go to Nashville to take on the Tennessee Titans to help us break down all things Tennessee Titans. Is my brother Teron Davenport from ESPN. You can find him on Twitter at TDavenport underscore NFL. And Teron, thanks so much for your time this afternoon doing a little Training Camp Two-A-Days. As, as we're doing on ESPN as well, so we're having a lot of fun with that. Before I get into it, what's the kind of buzz around the Tennessee Titans from the fan base? How much are they ready for the team to kind of get back on the field as the season ended a way that they didn't want it to a, a, a season ago or last season? Yeah, they're especially ready to see the team get on the field with the Traylon Burke situation, him working his way back into the mix, and A.J. Brown not being there, that's pretty much the focus, and obviously Derrick Henry as well. They can't wait to see the man they call the king going back on the field and and reasserting his dominance. Yeah, I I have no doubt about that. As far as Derrick Henry's concerned, we saw him come back for for the playoff game, but is he 100% healthy at this point? Yeah, he's good to go. He says the foot is good, and he said that back in minicamp, and I believe him because I like the way he attacked practice. You see him out there telling some of the younger running backs to take a step aside so he could get an extra rep. And then even during downtime, like special teams period, he's going through and he's running gassers. I think it's a good situation for the Titans because you've got an elite-level player. You know how I feel about elite players that are motivated. I say you always go with those guys, and that's what the Titans have in Derrick Henry. Talking right now with Teron Davenport from ESPN, talking all things Tennessee Titans here on Unnecessary Roughness, Red Nation Radio 920. Going to jump into the training camp two-a-days, and I'll, I'll warn you, Teron, DeMond's going to ask you the first question. He is our resident Titans fan, so uh, don't, don't, okay. don't, don't blame him. Blame the fandom. <laughs> all right, Teron, because the first question that we ask is, what's the biggest positive with the team? And I know that there's so many things that you can choose from with this <laughs> Titans team. Maybe it's having the best running back in the oh, league, geez. a top 10 defense, maybe even top five this coming season. I don't know, so I'm going to defer to you. What's the biggest positive with this <laughs> Titans team? I think the biggest positive is that front. And the the part of that is you got Jeffrey Simmons playing in what is actually a contract year. Right, because I, I doubt the deal happens this year, but next year at this time, yeah, there, there, there's going to be serious talks about hammering out a long-term deal. So you got that. Then you got Bud Dupree coming back healthy. I got to talk to him on the side 
and he told me he feels really good, and he loves the fact that he could focus on just not rehabbing, but actually focus on the technique itself. And he's working with Chuck Smith, the pass rush doctor in, in Atlanta. And you got Harold Landry coming off a, a career year. You got Tierra Tart, you know, who has been very good and just under the radar against the run. But if you watch all 22, you'll see number 93 really making things happen. And you can't forget about Danico Autry, the guy that they signed going into uh, last year, and he finished up with nine and a half sacks for them. So that front four, they're coming off a nine-sack performance against the Bengals, and they're looking for more. They're looking to, to work on turning the football over. That's the next level for them. Yeah, and you mentioned that front four and how it is. It's the best positive for this team. But how is that secondary also looking? Yeah. Secondary looks good. You know, it's funny. I always love when the team validates something that, that you put up, and especially when it's something that you post and it gets a lot of pushback from fans. And <laughs> Roger McCreary is a guy that I posted. I said, you know, he's someone the Titans should strongly consider with one of their early picks. And – Everybody said, oh, well, you know, it would be crazy to spend that much money, uh, that much capital on a cornerback. Well, you know what happened in the second round. McCreary was the pick, and I, I think it was a solid pick. And I mention him because he adds to what Coach Anthony Midget, the DB coach, ha has said that he really likes, you know, when I talk to him, is the versatility. You have in, in Christian Fulton, Roger McCreary, Caleb Farley, these are three guys that can play inside or outside. And then you got Elijah Molden, who has locked down a nickel position. So the secondary looks good. Caleb Farley, obviously, is the focal point because this is a guy that's had injuries in the past. He tore the ACL last year, three games into the season, but he was working with the yellow jersey on. He looks pretty smooth just as far as, like, clicking and closing and those type of things and the drills that they're doing. And it's just going to be a continual process for him and, and he looks to be the left corner with, with Christian Fulton on the right side. Doing some training camp two of days right now with Teron Davenport from ESPN's NFL Nation. Covers the Tennessee Titans like a glove here on Unnecessary Roughness. Raider Nation Radio 920. So if that's the the positive there, Teron, what is the biggest negative when it comes to the Tennessee Titans going into training camp? It's the question mark at the receiver position, to be honest with you, because this is a team that lost A.J. Brown, who was you know one of the best up-and-coming young wide receivers and as soon as they made the trade, the next move was to draft Traylon Burks. And Burks, unfortunately, wasn't able to make it through his first practice of rookie minicamp. He wasn't available for minicamp. So there are questions there as far as will he be able to hit the ground running in training camp. And then the other question mark is Robert Woods, right? He now shifts into the receiver one role as opposed to the complementary guy, the 1A, 1B to, to A.J. Brown. And he's made progress, though. It's been really good seeing him out there, OTAs and minicamp. Frankly, for a guy that tore his, his knee, uh, ACL, in, in week 11, right, in November, to be back that quick is, is really good. But there's still a way to go for him. So that's the question mark. How are they going to find those plays in the passing game? I think the tight end position, and that's something I wrote about for ESPN.com, the tight end position is really an area where they're going to have to lean on. Austin Hooper, the free agent signing. And then the fourth-round pick, Chigga Conquo. That guy's—he's going to be a really good player, very similar to Johnny Smith. So they're going to rely on those guys. So, do you think that there could be a potential with the question marks at the wide receiver position that maybe the offense gets off to a slow start, or they just have to lean and rely on Derrick Henry a little bit more? Yeah, it's going to really come down to Derrick Henry being able to bust through those those eight man boxes because 
I guarantee you they're going to see a lot of those because now without A.J. Brown in the lineup, it's not really a big-time threat as far as like, you don't say, okay, well, we can't go man-to-man against, against these guys. So you're going to see that. It's going to come down to the offensive line, which is another question because you've got the left guard and, and, and right tackle situation still working itself out. So they're going to have to find ways to get Derrick Henry to the second level. And the good thing is getting to the second level against those eight-man boxes, Henry has that rare speed and combination of, of breaking tackle ability that will allow him to get a lot of big plays. In fact, that's how he got a lot of his chunk plays in the past. Yeah, you mentioned the receivers and also the offensive line, but what's the biggest question for this Titans team going into training camp? Yeah, I think that's it right there. Can can the offense take the next step without their biggest playmaker in the passing game? That's really the biggest question. And they got Tim Kelly in, who was the OC down there in Houston. He is now the pass game coordinator. So what they're looking to do is just get you know better in the passing game. They're going to run the football. That's that's it. They're going to do that. But so the main question, honestly, is the passing game. Can Tannehill? To convert back to the 2020 and 2019 guy as opposed to last year's 14 interception total, which was more than he had in both his other two years starting combined. Teron, let me ask you this question because Raider Nation is very familiar with Todd Downing, who is the OC there in Tennessee. What does he need to do? How does he need to develop, or, or what is the thoughts on him? Yeah, well, I think he kind of got a raw deal last year when, when you look at not having Derrick Henry for all that time and still managing to finish a top top ten in the red zone touchdown scoring percentage, top five in, in, in short, like third and short, fourth and goal situations. I think really what he has to do is just be a little more dynamic with the pass game. And what I mean by that, you look at the and, – and I'm sure, uh, Desmond, you can could, you could relate to that Bengals game, that first pass. That was an interception, and yeah, it was a bad play on Tannehill's part, but you need to have something on the backside there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a route, a vertical route to hold the safety so Jesse Bates can't just jump that route, even though Tannehill telegraphed it. That's an example of just kind of being more dynamic with the passing game. Maybe have a post a post corner or, or you know, a corner route or, or a go route or something backside to hold that safety, and then that's a, a pretty big play if the safety isn't in position. So it's really about not being as predictable on first down. It's about, you know, being uh, more dynamic, like I said, in the passing game as far as making the, the, the route combos a little more complex. Yeah, it's Ron, keeping it on Ryan Tannehill. He does have a pretty big cap hit this year, but the Titans did not draft Malik Willis for nothing. So mm-hmm. is, there, is there a succession process that's already, already taking place? Well, the plan with, with Malik Willis is all developmental, and they have started from the ground up. It's, uh, mechanics and everything, they're working on the operation, what they call it, is just getting to the huddle, calling the play, getting under center, and turning his back to the defense on play action and flipping back around and, and, and finding the coverage and, and where to go with it. I think that's really going to be a longer-term process. I don't think Malik Willis plays until next year. I'll say this, though, in a little bit of time we got to watch him, he's made some really outstanding plays. There have been some players who are like, oh, come on, you got you know, you can't do that. But <laughs> at the same time, there's obviously a lot of promise. I mean, they got to still, in my opinion, they got three first-round picks in this draft because I feel Roger McCreary is a first-round pick. I didn't think Malik Willis was going to get past number 20. And then, I, uh, of course, Traylon Burks, 
he was a first-round pick at 18. There you go. There you go. we got a couple more questions for you real quick. We're talking with Teron Davenport from ESPN, talking all things Tennessee Titans. Go ahead, Damon. Yeah, so if you believe that highly in Malik Willis, do you think that Ryan Tannehill has a trade value? Is there a market out there for Ryan Tannehill? Is some like maybe some of the moves with Baker or maybe Jimmy Garoppolo, with those teams being an up, upgrade if they wanted to trade for Ryan Tannehill? I don't really think there is a significant trade market to where it's worth doing it. This team is still capable of winning. I mean, they just finished tops in the AFC with the number one seed last year without Derrick Henry for nine games. So they're not just canceling Christmas here in Nashville. They feel that they could win. So uh, there may be trade value, like a fifth-round pick, fourth-round pick, maybe. I doubt it. So I, I wouldn't even see them uh, you know, entertaining a trade unless, obviously, a first or second-round pick, like something crazy happened like that. But this isn't 2016, and Sam Bradford is not going to the Vikings. <laughs> All right, and the last one I got for you, coming into training camp, because a lot of talk has been made about Matt Ryan going to the Colts, but are the Titans, just with the roster constructed, are they still the team to beat in the AFC South? Yeah, and, and just to make sure people understand what I said, Sam Bradford to the Vikings, I tell you, Bridgewater got hurt, right. and he was traded Bradford to the Vikings for a number one pick, so I just uh, first overall pick. Um, but as, as, far as, um, as far as, what was that question again? Um, with the rosters constructed, do the Titans have the best roster in the AFC South? Right. I, I think it's very close, and I've gone through the rosters a few times, and it kind of is, is a draw between the Titans and Colts because, I mean, Matt Ryan was a really good addition for them, but he's not the same quarterback. But if you look at the running back position, it's kind of a draw. Offensive line goes to the Colts, but I think D-line goes to the Titans, secondary to the Titans, receivers to push. So it's close. I still will say the Titans are, are, you know, right there as one of the best teams in, in the division, and they should win it, to be honest with you. There you go. That's, that's music to my man DeMond's ear, Saran. And, and before we let you go, the final question I got for you for training camp two-a-days, is there one guy on this uh, Titans roster that we may not be talking about right now, but by the time training camp and preseason wrap up, we're talking about? Oh, yeah, Jacob Conquill, the tight end out of Maryland, the fourth-round pick. Mini camp in two practices, he low red zone, seven on seven. He had four touchdowns, three from Tannehill. They really like him. He had another one from the backup, Logan Woodside. They really like Chig, and he is a Johnu Smith clone, very mm. similar, and that was one of Tannehill's favorite targets. So I think Chig will be a guy that, that will definitely stand out. But then, you know, you're also defensively, there's a guy by the name of Chance Campbell out of Ole Miss. He had – Probably, I think, like 1.7 million tackles last year. Um, he led the SEC in tackles. <laughs> and he is one of those linebackers that's always around the ball, making plays. They're going to be uh, a lot of uh, uh, highlights from him, I, I think, defensively during, during um uh, the preseason. I'll tell you right now, the Raiders could use a linebacker like that that's always around the ball and just making nothing but tackles. That sounds like a, a hell of a player right there. Well, Teron, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. You ready for training camp? I know it's right around the corner. Oh, you already know, man. You already know. I'm ready to go. Let's, let's make it happen, man. I'm ready to, you know, talk some shot with you again. You know how we do. We, we uh, we Shaq and Kobe, man. There you go. There you go. Absolutely. Well, Teron, thank you so much, my man. I can't wait to uh, catch up with you again, and uh, we'll be seeing you pretty soon. All right, for sure. Thank you, guys.
Thank you, brother. There he goes. Teron Davenport from ESPN on Twitter at TDavenport underscore NFL uh, from NFL Nation. Covers the Tennessee Titans like a glove. One of the best in the business to do it. And uh, every once in a while we get to uh, host a show together on ESPN National. So Teron's a really good dude. It's always fun to catch up with that guy. And we'll be seeing him. We'll be seeing him as uh, Raider Nation Radio, I do believe, will be traveling to Nashville week three for the Tennessee Titans game. And uh, we'll get to catch up with Teron in person. So that'll be a lot of fun. As DeMond always says, wait a minute, hold on. Wait a minute, am I traveling? Is, yeah, is that, is that, is that an me? inclusive we? You already knew what the question was going to be. Hey, Raider Nation Radio, not Raider Nation. Ah, so, no, Raider Nation Radio. I mean, hey, you know, we got to get, we got to have all these games covered, right? We got to, again, we got to do what we did last year, but we've got to take it to the next level. So we got to continue to evolve. That's what you do. You continue to evolve. Every game on the road last season, we weren't always able to make every single game, but we did our best at making as many as possible. We'll do our best to make a little bit more this year. So I look at that Tennessee Titans game as a game that uh, we definitely need to be there present for. So we'll make it work some way, somehow. Somebody will be there representing, and maybe, Damon, it might be you. Maybe it might be you. Expense we'll to, to the company, right? We'll have to work that out. And like, that's another conversation, brother. Another conversation for another day. 4.17 is the time we got coming up at 4.30. I didn't get to play the Mark Davis sound from uh, Allegiant Stadium that we had on Thursday after Sandra Douglas Morgan was uh, announced as the president of the, the team. We were able to huddle up and meet with Mark Davis for about a good 10 minutes. We'll let you hear that sound coming up at 4.30. But coming up next, going to talk about the teams on the Raiders' schedule. We'll go through the Raiders' schedule. The question I threw out there at the beginning of the show was, what team on the Raiders' 2022 schedule do you think teams are, are the, that, that most folks are sleeping on? Like, what team do the Raiders play this upcoming year that Raider Nation or other, other uh, fan bases may be looking at that team like, yeah, they're not very good. We've had a couple people talk about the Colts. We've had a couple people talk about the Titans. What do you think? Let us know about it, 702-365-9200. Sam and Ash, text line 69187. As I mentioned, when we come back, we'll go through the schedule and talk about each and every one of the teams. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. That was another edition of Training Camp Two-A-Days on Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy, Q. 422 is the time. Here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 Unnecessary Roughness. Damon Cotton, he's in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio. And coming up about 430, we'll, you'll hear from Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders. On Thursday, he was at Allegiant Stadium after the announcement of Sandra Douglas Morgan as the new president of the Silver and Black. We caught up with him for about 10 minutes, so you'll hear that conversation coming up at about 4.30. We've been going through a few different subjects as we've also had training camp two-a-days. We've been going through the Raiders' schedule. So far today, we talked Chargers, we talked uh, Cardinals, and we also talked Tennessee Titans. We just wrapped that up with Teron Davenport. On tomorrow's show, we'll talk some Broncos, some Chiefs, and also some Houston Texans. So uh, we'll continue to go through the Raiders' schedule all week long and get through every team on this 2022 regular season schedule and just get an idea of what the team Looks like how the fan base is feeling about the team heading into training camp. Then following training camp, once the 53-man roster is put together and the team is put together, we'll do it again. We'll do it again before the regular season gets started so you have a great idea of exactly what to expect from every single team. Uh, it's called training camp two-a-days. We're having a lot of fun doing it here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Wanted to go over a couple things, and I know we only have about 40 minutes left in today's show. I wanted to go over the schedule because the question that I threw out there on the Sam and Ash text line at 69187, keyword r and also Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200, what team on the Raiders 2022 schedule do you think most folks are sleeping on? So what is the one team that you look at and you say, oh, yeah, that's a dub, but then you realize, like, you know what? 
that team actually might be a little bit better than I'm giving them credit for. So let's go through the schedule real quick. And, DeMond, you can stop me on a, on a team that you think that Raider Nation may be slipping on or, or just fans in general think is not a very good team, and that should be an easy dub. As we know, I don't think there's any game in the NFL that is an easy dub. But let's go through it real quick. The Chargers week one at SoFi Stadium. That's September 11th. They follow that up with a home game against the Cardinals. That's week two. Tennessee Titans, that's week three. Don't you dare say that they're sleeping on the Tennessee Titans because you're a Tennessee Titan fan. Uh, we know that that's not, uh, that's not real. Also, the Denver Broncos, they roll in week four. Uh, that'll be a home game at Allegiant Stadium. And week five, this they're is my, at Kansas City. This is my first City. one that I'll say that people, Raider fans, I think that they're sleeping on the Broncos because they really? think that they're getting too much love from the outside media. Now, there is that thing of like, hey, they got Russell Wilson, but why do they think that they're better than us? And I do think that it's, it's coming to that overconfidence of we're going to beat the donkeys twice. I hear that all the time when people call in, we're going to smash up on the donkeys. They're not that good. I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk, as right. some Raider fans think. I don't think so either. I actually have them split in this season. I, I know when we went through the schedule, I have them splitting with the Broncos. Um, I, don't, I wouldn't say that – I don't think that they're sleeping on them. I just think that – it could be one of those situations where they just think that, hey, they're getting too much love, if that makes sense, right? They're just getting too much love because of the Russell Wilson effect, and you don't know what else, what else the, they're going to bring to the table. I think that they're getting too much love because Nathaniel Hackett's a brand-new head coach, and you really don't know what to expect from them. But week five, the Raiders are on the road. They take on Kansas City, and then they hit the bye, and I don't think anybody thinks that they're sleeping on the Kansas City Chiefs. Week seven, as they take the bye week six, week seven, they have – the Houston Texans. We'll talk to John McClain from the Houston Chronicle about the Texans tomorrow on the show. Is that a game that you think that Raider Nation could be slipping on? Uh, no, because you said that there's no easy game, but it's going to be a home game against the Texans. I don't think that people should just think that they're going to win by 30, but I do think when you're doing the schedule game, that's a win. Okay. All right. So then week eight, going to New Orleans, Superdome. It's the weekend of Holly Halloween. The game's not on Halloween. It's on October 30th, but they take on the New Orleans Saints. And then week nine, as they stay on the East Coast, they're going to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Is that a game that people could be slipping on? Do you think Jacksonville could be better than expected? Oh, no. Jacksonville, I do think they're going to be better, but I think the Saints might be a team that people are sleeping on because I do think that Jameis is going to come back, not with the vengeance or he's got anything to prove, yeah. but before that ACL injury, I do think that, that he was playing some of the best ball of his career. And then factor that in with two games back-to-back, -back, they're probably going to be staying on the East Coast, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, yeah staying, so, they're staying on the East Coast. Yep. So some of those factors where just that two-game slide in particular, both games may be a little bit of troublesome when it just comes to where it's at on the schedule. Right, so I got you. So people may be slipping on it. Okay, all right. Well, that's week nine against the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's in Jacksonville. Week 10 is a home game for the Raiders taking on the Colts. That's a team that uh, multiple people have hit us up and said that they think uh, that's a team that, that folks are slipping on is the, the, the Indianapolis Colts. And as we just talked to Teron Davenport, he thinks that the Colts and the Titans are going to be the best two teams in their division. So uh, that's a team that you shouldn't sleep on is the Tennessee Titans. But I can see a lot of folks thinking that's going to be a dub. But, look, they have Gus Bradley as their defensive coordinator. They have Unique Ngakwe there added to the defense. Obviously, he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder with the way that he was traded out of Las Vegas to Indianapolis. So oh, that should be a fun game. Again, that one's at Allegiant Stadium. That is uh, October uh, or November 13th, excuse me. That is week 10. 
Uh, then week 11 at the Broncos. So like I said earlier, one of those two games, one of those two Bronco games I have the Raiders losing. I think I have them losing uh, the one that's in, in Denver, this one right here, November 20th. I think that was the one that I picked. I have them winning the first one at Allegiant Stadium. Next up is week 12, November 27th. That's at the Seahawks. That's an interesting game. That's an interesting game because I don't know who their quarterback's going to be. You know what I mean? So I don't want to say that I'm sleeping on this team. I just feel like the Seattle's not going to be very good if Drew Locke or Geno Smith is the quarterback. If one of those two guys is behind center, I'm sorry, but I feel like that that's a dub for the Raiders. I don't care if it's on the road or not. Exactly, man. It goes to so far that nobody respects Drew Locke that the, even like a tennis account was trolling him. Uh, I saw that. Where it's yep. just like, yeah, have fun watching Drew Locke be your quarterback for 17 games this season. Right. Or it, it's known that if he's your starting quarterback, it's not look, you're not a playoff team. Right. I don't think so at all. There's a reason why Denver moved on from him, right? They realized that they weren't going to win a whole lot with him. Week 13, December 4th, this is when the gauntlet starts. The Chargers, they're at Allegiant Stadium, following by December 8th, four days later, in, uh, in L.A. at SoFi Stadium, the Raiders take on the Rams. So you got Chargers, Rams, back-to-back. Then the Raiders, a few days later, uh, 10 days later to be exact, they have Sunday night football where the Patriots come to town. Don't think anyone's sleeping on the Patriots. Think anyone's sleeping on the Patriots? No, nobody's sleeping on the Patriots. Bill, 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 we know it. Okay, how about this one? How about Christmas Eve at the Steelers? Who's going to be the quarterback then? Is it going to be Teddy Bridgewater? Is it going to be Kenny Pickett? Not Teddy Bridgewater, excuse me, Mitchell Trubisky? Or is it going to be uh, uh, Kenny Pickett? Who's going to be starting by Christmas Eve for the Steelers? I want to say Mitch is going to be starting, but I do think that people are sleeping on the Steelers. And not so much, oh, their roster or who they have, but don't sleep on Mike Tomlin. Right. That's facts. That's facts. He's proven it. He's proven it time and time again. So you can't really uh, sleep on him when, like I said, he's proven that he's a, he's a guy that gets it done. Week 17, uh, the second to last game of the season is uh, the 49ers. That's obviously on New Year's, January 1st at Allegiant Stadium. Uh, who knows who the quarterback's going to be then? Is it going to be Trey Lance? Is it going to be Jimmy G? Is it going to be other? Who knows? But I, I still don't think that you'll ever sleep on the San Francisco 49ers if you're the Raiders because that is a, that is a built-in rivalry, and I think Allegiant Stadium is going to be lathered up on uh, New Year's. There's going to be some folks that are going to be in hangover mode. There's going to be some folks that are going to be fired up. There's going to be some folks that might not even gone to bed that night. They just went straight to the game. You know what? Forget it. I'm just going to go party and then go straight to the stadium. Uh, and then week 18, they close out the regular season with a home game against the Kansas City Chiefs, and I don't think anyone is sleeping on the Kansas City Chiefs. So when you look at the Raiders' schedule, is there a potential sleeper with the Steelers, with the Seahawks, Broncos, Colts, Jaguars, and Texans? Those are the ones that I see as potential sleeper games that teams or fans could be looking at and saying, yeah, I don't think that, team, that game is going to be that tough, but they could be better, especially that Jaguars game. I think that that Jaguars team is not going to be good, but I think they're going to be a lot better with Doug Peterson than they were with Urban Meyer, <laughs> right? I mean, Urban Meyer is a situation in, in its own self. You know, that was a whole other conversation. So I think that they'll obviously be better without him. I just don't know how much better they'll be with Doug Peterson. I do think he's a much better coach as far as NFL coach goes than Urban Meyer is. So you could chime in, Raider Nation, if you'd like to at 702-365-9200. You can also hit us up on the Sam and Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. What team on the Raiders 2022 schedule do you think that folks may be sleeping on? Let us know about it. Coming up next, we'll also hear from Mark Davis. He was at Allegiant Stadium last Thursday after Sandra Douglas Morgan was announced as a team president. You'll hear from him as well. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Hey, Raider Nation. This is Bruce Buffer, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. 
question we threw out there. The Brain Nation listener line, also the Salmon Ash text line, 702-365-9200. Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Been getting a lot of good texts. Gangster Raider hit us up earlier, said the Gangster Raider, this is Gangster Raider, the Cardinals of the team people are sleeping on, but they're also Chandler Jones' former team. He could be motivated to get five sacks against them. Against, that was Gangster Raider. But then he said, but Tennessee is the only team I'm – uh, very worried about in our first five games. We have to tackle effe- uh, efficiently, and that's usually not the case early in the season. So that was his take right there. Arizona's being slept on, and Tennessee is a team that he's worried about. Uh, but I wanted to hear from you. What teams do you think that the fan base could be sleeping on that is on the Raiders' 2022 schedule for the regular season as we're doing uh, tr- training camp two-a-days here on Unnecessary Roughness. We already talked Chargers, we talked Cardinals, and we talked Titans today. Tomorrow we'll talk Broncos, we'll talk Chiefs, and we'll talk Houston Texans. Uh, my guy Quick hit us up on Twitter, at your boy Q254, at R&R, 920AM. He said, Raider Nation is absolutely sleeping on the donkeys. Their defense is still pretty decent, and they have rust now quarterback-driven league. So that's going to your point, Damon, what you were saying about the Denver Broncos are a team that Raider Nation could be sleeping on. And uh, maybe you're right. You know, I feel like that they're being talked about a lot, especially since they're they're being given so much credit as far as uh, a team that could be really good in the AFC West. And, of course, Russell Wilson being a, a quarterback that they say it is very good and is going to be very good and dominate, really, this upcoming year. And I, I want them – I want to see it. I want to see it before I'm 100% bought in just because I want to see how that relationship between Russell Wilson, Nathaniel Hackett, and everyone else, you know, obviously Jerry Judy on the outside, and they do have some weapons. You know, they don't have Noah Fan anymore, but they do have some weapons as far as uh, wide receivers go. So I just want to see how that whole thing is put together, and I think early on in the season it may be off to a slow start, and that defense that Quick talked about may have to not do the heavy lifting but have to, you know, do a little bit more than they expect to do later on in the season. Yeah, but I think that you kind of just proved my point a little bit where it's like you're still in that wait-and-see mode with the team. And it's just like – because we all know that the national media is giving them their props. And I feel like with Raider fans, they're sleeping on them a little bit because it is like I'll I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, no, that's fair. It's not so much that you're like sleeping on them. I hear you. But you're you're not as confident as the outside media is about the team. Right, right. And I I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that 100%. So, yeah, like I said, I'm I'm down with that. I I have no problem – uh, saying that I'm, I'm one of those wait-and-see moods, and, and so maybe that is a, a somewhat of a form of being slept on, and maybe that's just a, yeah, but. <laughs> Something that <laughs> we hear a show. lot of when it comes to everything is, yeah, but. So uh, we'd love to hear from you, Raider Nation. we also been talking about this piece that was put out on ESPN.com by Jeremy Fowler, uh, talking about the top ten quarterbacks in the league, and uh, I didn't really have a problem with any of the rankings. There was a couple that I looked at. I was like, eh, maybe, maybe not. Uh, they had Aaron Rodgers at number one, Patrick Mahomes at number two, uh, Josh Allen at three, Tom Brady at four, Burrow at five, Stafford at six, Justin Herbert at seven, uh, Russell Wilson at eight, Deshaun Watson at nine, and then Dak Prescott at ten. And honorable mentions, Lamar Jackson, Derek Carr, and Kyler Murray. And the write-up on Derek Carr was, Carr's three-year, $120 million extension with the Raiders confirms the league-wide belief he's a high-level quarterback. He threw for a career-high 4,804 yards last year. His film was really good, an NFL offensive coach said. The guy was one of the the best third-down passers in the NFL last year. He lacks a little toughness at times. That's my only real knock on, on him. Won't stand in there. That was a quote from an NFL offensive coach. Not me and DeMond, but that was a, coat, that was a piece in the, in the article. 
Carr's 1,232 passing yards on third down ranked sixth in the NFL in 2021, and his 10 completions gaining 40 or more yards tied for fifth. Earlier in his career, I'd say he had trouble driving the ball vertically, but that doesn't appear to be an issue anymore, an NFC coach said. He can hit all the parts of the field and looks in command. So I don't think that there was too much negativity when it came to Derek Carr. As a matter of fact, it was showing that he has matured and he's continued to develop as a quarterback in the NFL. And the one thing, the one area that I think everyone had a problem with was uh, he lacks a little toughness at times. And, again, it's not about, oh, I can't take this hit, I can't take that a hit. It's just about hanging in the pocket a little bit longer to allow what is a good play when he dumps it off and they get, you know, 10, 15 yards, get a first down, keep the sticks moving. That's a good play. It really is. If you get any yards in the NFL, it's a good play, right? I mean, that's, that's a positive. You want to get positive yards instead of losing yards and get nothing. So that's a good play. But what they're trying to say, what I tried to explain earlier in the show, it's not, a, it's not a, oh, he's not a tough guy as far as physically. It's just hanging in the pocket and turning that good play into a great play. I can't remember exactly what game it was. It was early in the season last year, though. And it stood out to me in a major way that it was at Allegiant Stadium and we were in the press box watching. And this is while Ruggs was still part of the, season, of the team. So, obviously, it was early in the season. And he was streaking wide open. I mean, he was... He was about to break loose. You could see the DB got behind him, and you see Ruggs just, you know, getting ready to take off. And Derek dropped it down a little early. And if he had hung in that pocket just a second longer and, and saw Ruggs down the field, which obviously the play was uh, designed to go to him originally, that would have been a touchdown. I mean, there was no doubt about it. I believe that the touch that Carr would have put on the ball, uh, Ruggs would have caught it and took it to the house. I mean, it's just simple as that. That, I believe, is what they're talking about in this article, about his, you know, hanging in the pocket just a little bit longer. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that even Derek would probably say, like, yeah, you know, there's, there's still parts of my game that I still need to work on and continue to be the best version of me I could be. And that's, that's, that's just my opinion on, on what they're trying to say. That's my – that's the way that I'm – taking that that comment that they said about D.C. But, again, honorable mention when they're talking about top 10 quarterbacks in the league and when you have a quarterback, when a league is, is full of 32 quarterbacks and it's a quarterback-driven league, I think it's fair and fine. And if he has a big year this year, like I expect him to do, with Devontae Adams, with Darren Waller, with uh, Hunter Renfro, Josh Jacobs, and more, and Josh McDaniels pushing the buttons, uh, then he'll, no doubt about it, in my opinion, just my opinion, be in the top 10 the following season. But let's get your opinion, 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our guy, Raider Mack. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, my man? What's up, Q? What's up, fellas? How y'all doing today? Good. Hey, I, 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 I agree with the, the, um, with the uh, rankings, but the only thing is I, I, I think Derek Carr should be 10. That's the only thing I was moving to 10. Um, as far as him not staying in the pocket, I agree. He, 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 ever since he, and maybe I'm wrong, but ever since he broke his foot against in, in that coach game that Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. he has he, he don't stay in the pocket like he should and take that hit. Like I mean, he's not as big as as, as Mahomes and the rest of those guys. So I see, but Aaron Rodgers staying for the last minute. Um, as far as the team that um, that that we sleeping on, I think Seattle going up to that 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 that. That fan base, their fan, uh, what a, what a scene up there with all the noise and everything. That's the only thing I. That's the only team that I'm worried about. And you don't know who's going to be quarterbacking them right now. 
Okay. Hey, good stuff. Great call, my man. Definitely appreciate you. A lot of really good stuff. And, look, that, that's the thing. When you talk about standing in the pocket, again, that's what I believe uh, that these uh, evaluators were talking about and these executives in the NFL were talking about. And that's just a, that's a confidence thing. That's a, you know, comfort, comfortable, uh, com- a comfort level, let's put it like that. That's, I guess that's the word I'm looking for. Just that, that's all that is. And I think that Derek is working his best to, to continue to improve that, and I think he'll continue to, to work on that uh, this season. That could be that one thing that he does, and he does something every single year to continue to develop his game. And uh, I asked him what it was going to be this year, and he said, I'm working on something, but I'm not going to tell you what it is because, well, uh, with this new regime, we don't talk about things. We just go out there and do it. And I'm okay with that as well. Uh, you got to do what the guys are telling him to do. So uh, that's, that's just a, a little bit of a feedback right there that we got from D.C. Uh, Angel hit us up on Twitter talking about the Denver Broncos. They lost two starters, have a new coaching group, Russell uh, Weapons. Coaching and arguably defense are worse than they were in Seattle, yet Seattle had a losing record. Broncos ain't doing blank. So that's uh, that's from Angel on Twitter talking about uh, teams that are being slept on or could be potentially being slept on. 444 is the time. Let's go ahead and jump into this Mark Davis sound. He was at Allegiant Stadium. This was following Sandra Douglas Morgan being announced as a team president. And I thought there was a lot of really good stuff here talking about the president, talking about Cliff Branch, talking about the team in general. Thought this was some really good stuff from MD. He even got a little bit emotional. Here he is from Thursday at Allegiant Stadium. She talked a lot about community. I mean, over and over and over. How important was that also to you? Well, we, we talked about a lot of things that were important to both of us, and obviously community is very important to us. Um, the fact that she is raised here from a very, very, very young age and understands the Valley has seen the growth and everything else is really important. And I think, again, brings value to the Raider organization from that. Mark, when you go back, you mentioned I don't know how many months it was that you've been kind of researching this. It's been about 10 months. About 10 months and so forth. What was it that... How did you latch on to, to Sandra? What was it that well again? To her? She you know she was recommended by several people, and then uh, you know we, we like I say it was an exhaustive search of talking to a lot of qualified candidates, but every time it just she seemed to rise to the top all the time, on just the things that were key, key, keenly important to me, and that's again the culture of the organization has been talked about outside the organization as you know taking some hits, and uh, I think what we had done is gotten into a situation where. We were getting to be more corporate in the in the in the organization, whereas a title was more important important than the person that was wearing the title. So that it got to the point where people could be replaceable. You know, we can get an SVP for this anywhere, and that's never been what the Raider organization has been about. It's always been about the people first and family. And uh, Sandra understands that, and she understands that it's the people first, and and that's the kind of culture we're going to build where. She's looking forward to meeting with everybody in the organization one-on-one to get to know them and get their feedback and everything else and start building that family culture again. Is that how you define the culture you want moving forward? Oh, absolutely, and it always has been. And, you know, we had that with uh, Mark Bedane and coming down to Las Vegas, but i got to say there's mitigating circumstances on why we lost that. And the, uh, the COVID virus really did affect our move because we had a lot of momentum coming down to Las Vegas and but the the, we, the building wasn't finished yet and then COVID happened so half the people were still up in the bay area half the people were down here but couldn't go into the office and then even the beginning of last year it was still social distancing so nobody really got to know each other until near the end of last season and so we never really got to start the las vegas raiders with a 
culture that had momentum. And so today, I believe we have that start now. That, would that be a, maybe a, a, one of maybe a couple reasons why those, those, those executives have left, those others? Um, no, I, I don't know that. I, can't, I, I really don't want to comment on why or how I would ask them if you want to know why or how. But uh, again, for me, it's just that the culture of this organization is so important. It was uh, since the, uh, the, the articles that came out, not only in the uh, New York Times, but the R, R, RJ, which kind of copied whatever they were saying about, take those very seriously. And so we did an investigation in all of those things. And we listened to the, to the people that work in the organization. And I believe we've started to make those changes that are necessary to get the culture back to where we all feel we can be positive. And she's the person you obviously think can do that. Oh, there's no question in my mind. No question in my mind. I know it's not the most important factor, but the organization's always been the forefront of breaking ground. This is a historical moment right now. First black woman to be an NFL president. How, how big is that for you and the organization? Well, again, I, I would say on the criteria list, very low. Right. Um, she was hired because she's the best person for the job at this time. There's absolutely no question about that. The historic part hasn't been lost on me, right. but that was not the... <laughs> The reason for it, for sure. Oh. What's that? Did she have the opportunity to meet the Ziggler? Yes, she did. Yes, she did. And it was fantastic. Um, she told them she knows how to run the offense, defense, special teams, <laughs> and that you know, she'll tell them. No, actually, she she they had a great meeting, and she understands that her where her knowledge and everything is is not on the football side of the building per se. That that's Josh and Dave to run that but that she will be handling the business side of the football operations, will be going through her. But other than that, uh, it's still Josh and Dave's football team. Just over the last 10, you said the 10-month process, right? Just at what juncture of this process did she begin to really crystallize as the, the ideal candidate, the one that you wanted to Well, when she stopped saying no. <laughs> that, was, that was the turning point. And then, uh, you know, I, I, had, I had looked at her. You know, we have the uh, Leadership Academy that's going in next door to the, uh, the Raiders facility. And I really thought at that point in time that she could be a really great leader of that organization. But that's not where she wanted to go. So then I'm trying to think, okay, well, where does she want to go? Because once I met with her and all, I knew that she was somebody I wanted part of our organization. When did you meet with her the first time? Oh, boy. Well, we started talking probably a year and a half ago. And, uh, you know, I've talked to a lot, a lot of people about her. Um, and uh, everybody's positive. Mark, less than a month away from one of your favorite Raiders of all times and a guy that I just love, Cliff Branch, going in the Hall of Fame. I know this is uh, you know a different place again, but how special is that for you, even though it's posthumously, but somebody you were very close to? Yeah, Cliff, Cliff is my best friend. Um, we spend a lot of time together. He was a champion on and off the field. Um, I, I brought up a story yesterday. I was doing an interview for the uh, Hall of Fame, actually on Cliff. And uh, in October, October 1, we had the uh, tragedy here uh, at 91. And eight days later, Cliff lived in Santa Rosa, and they had the Tubbs fire up there. His house burnt to the ground. One of his cars melted. The only thing Cliff left that house with was his three Super Bowl rings and, his, and a car to get out of there. He lost all his memorabilia. He lost everything that was dear to him. But nine days later, he was here in Las Vegas for the opening of the, of the Golden Knights. First game, was there for that. And then he and I went to see Jose Campos 
who is the security guard who was in MG in Mandalay Bay that night, uh, surrounded by FBI, all of those things. But he came down to meet with that young man and to help bring comfort and everything else to the Las Vegas community. That's the kind of guy Cliff was off the field. And like I say, he's still my best friend and he's gonna, he's gonna get tears out of me again now because I think about it and I'm just so proud of him. And I'm just really, I really, thank you for asking that question because it is very, very important to me that Cliff Branch is recognized. I have a poem for you I wrote about Cliff after. Do you? So yeah, because he used to come on the show all the time and I just, he was so gracious with his time. He was just a, a superhuman being. You know, I always told people that, you know, does he belong in the Hall of Fame? And I said, ask the people he played against. And a lot of them came to the, to the forefront. Joe Green, uh, Mel Blunt, Ronnie Lott all said that Cliff was the most feared guy that they ever played against. And uh, it's just, it's just, it's, I'm really proud that he's in the Hall of Fame. Thank you again for asking. Hey, Mark, just to bring it back to Sandra one more yeah. time. For fans that may not know, when they hear team president, when you talk about day-to-day -day operations, what she'll be doing, how visible will she be? What, what is her day-to-day, -day, at least in, in the early stretch? You know, it's a good question because uh, what I've been trying to explain to people, and I've explained, I think, to you guys all along is, the thing is, one thing I know is what I don't know, and I'm gonna hire people that know how to do those things and let them do their job. And so for me, ultimate responsibility in everything that happens in the organization falls on me. But I delegate to people that need to take the day-to-day -day operations. And Sandra is somebody that I have full faith in that can handle those day-to-day -day interactions with the, with the staff and bringing the vision forward that we have discussed that we both look, look for for the Raider organization. You, she went outside of your coach, Eugene, kind of outside here, although she's been here for 40 years, so I don't know how outside she is. But do owners evolve? Well, you know, I'm a, I've only been an owner for 10 years, 11 years. So, yeah, I, I'm evolving. I'm learning every day. Right. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't a conscious effort to go outside the organization. For either. It, for either. Oh, okay, that's right. For either. Okay, that's right. It was more to get the best person possible for the job. Right. That's always what it is with the Raider organization. That's how I grew up. D that's our DNA. D diversity is our DNA, and we're always looking for the best. Whether it, you know, depending whatever, it, whoever, and however you are, if you can do the job the best, if you can help bring the Raider Nation to where we belong and need to get back to, that's who we're looking for to be part of it. Talked about you know, ten months of conversations, knowing her for a while. Was there like a moment where you said, "Oh yeah, this is this is the, the person I want to work with"? Well, I think the first time that I met with her and had dinner with her, I, I knew right then and there that it's somebody that I want in our organization. It's very similar to what happened with uh, 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 Becky Hammond um, when we brought right. Becky in for the uh, alumni association thing, and I met her that night. I said, "Holy crap, she would be fantastic to have." with this organization. And it's the same thing when I met Sandra. I mean, nobody had spoken a disparaging word about her, but to meet her and sit down and have dinner with her and just get to know her and obviously getting to know her family is just one wonderful family. Her mom is just so cool. Her, can't her, one person say anything bad. No. Like not one person. And, and you know, that's hard to do because she was on the gaming control board <laughs> and she had to deal with every one of those buildings outside this room and she was tough enough, tough enough to do it yet do it in a way that they thought that they were best friends. Right. And uh, I just really believe that that's something that, uh, ability that she has, that's unique in, 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 in her way. How difficult is it to go through a process like this and try to keep everything under wraps and not let? It's impossible. Right. 
Right. No, it's impossible. It really is. Mm -hmm. And it's tough because you don't, you don't want to disparage the people that didn't get the job. So that's even one of the harder parts when people start talking about, did you interview this or did you interview that? I'd rather that person say that they interviewed than me say that I interviewed them because then it's why didn't they get the job or why didn't you get the job or those kind of things. So that's really a tough, tough situation. There you go right there. That was uh, Mark Davis from Thursday. Wanted to get that in. Uh, wanted to get it in Thursday and Friday and just uh, had so much going on, especially being a summer league, that we weren't able to do that. But uh, it, it's, it's good stuff right there, and he gave us plenty of his time and actually was willing to give us more time if we wanted to. So many thanks to Mark Davis and, again, uh, Sandra Douglas Morgan uh, being hired as the president. Again, as you heard Mark Davis say, she was the best person for the job. She's qualified. Matter of fact, she's probably overqualified for the job, and I do think the business side of things are going to get tightened up really, really well. Uh, from the Raiders side of things and I think the football side is already starting to be tightened up from the new regime Dave Ziegler Champ Kelly Josh McDaniels and company so very excited about how it all comes together we're going to start to see the football side of things start to come together as early as next week so make sure to tune in to Raider Nation Radio 920 for all of that as we'll update you on everything going on training camp from all of us from Vinny Bonsignor Clay Baker Heidi Fang myself JT the Brick of course will all be out there at the Intermount Healthcare Performance Center letting you know how everything goes down and we'll continue our training camp two days tomorrow here on Radio Nation Radio 920.